Um, I want to make something that like when people wear it, it speaks to who they are, not the hype. And, and that's what like I'm anti-hype. Like I like I really don't I, I don't like it. And I think that that's what the shoe industry has become. It wasn't like that. Like remember what the shoe game used to look like. Like it it, it wasn't hype. Like it, it it was the culture. It was creativity. And like now it's like people are like just like buying a shoe just because so and so made it or so and so said that it's cool or so and so wore it. It's like no, like buy it because you love it. All right. And so, and, and that was a trap I was starting to fall into when I wanted to go into um, resale. And so I'm glad that I got out of that. Hello, I'm Red. And I'm Tiff. And we're, and we're the, the Fashion, fashion geeks. geeks. Trying to make New York. And the world. Well, New York is the world. A little flyer, one outfit. And podcast. At a time. I wear suits. Especially pre-COVID. Monday through Friday. When I'm slumming, I wear a sport jacket. So I wear shoes between five to six weeks. I'm suited and booted. On Sundays and sometimes Saturdays, I wear sneakers. So we're talking about really once a while. A while ago, I was doing some closet inventory. Come to find out, I have 15 pairs of sneakers. 15 pairs? How the heck did that happen? I don't even think I had that many as a kid. I barely wear them. I have Nikes, Pumas, Adidas, and that's just a sneaker. I have high top and low. I have no Jordans. Take that Jordan. I don't know how this happened. Have I become a low-level sneaker fan? On the DL? Oh! This is Reg Ferguson, fashion geek number one. How are you? Welcome to the ride. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell your friends about us. Please tell them to subscribe, share an episode, and please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. A special shout goes to our producer, Search, and everyone down with the fashion geeks. If you have a question or a story suggestion, you can email me at podcast at nyfashiongeek.com or hit me up on the Insta at New York Fashion Geek. Today, we're going to talk with Nick Reynolds of Shoebaker ATL, a.k.a. The Baker, who is in the A, Atlanta. We're going to talk about something that the everyday man should be considering and incorporating in their lives. We're going to talk about custom sneakers. The Baker in the building. How are you, man? Yo, I'm doing good, man. This is a it's a really good day. I mean, it is raining, but it's a good day. Oh, okay. It's a it's just cloudy here. <laughs> <laughs> so we had rain yesterday, so we passed it down to you. Yeah, but no, all is well, man. Um, just you know, just working through, um, trying to create every single day. I took a break from fulfilling orders today, and just uh. You know, just wanted to focus on just making something for me, which is something I find very important. It keeps me from going crazy, pretty much. Well, first of all, I really appreciate the time. I know we were we were kind of playing uh, interview tag, but now here we are. So before we go into our topic, please tell us. So what do you do? So what do you? So what do you do? Uh, 
so um, I started off as a shoe customizer. Um, I still do customize shoes, uh, but um, I was actually a youth pastor. I, I still am. I'm still a youth pastor here in Atlanta. Uh, I've been doing that for since 2016. And wow. When, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, when COVID hit, um, I believe I started Shoemaker back in July. So I was actually customizing shoes and just posting stuff on my personal page, getting orders. And I enjoyed it. Um, but the more I looked at it, I was like, man, like no one's really scaling this. Like it, it I mean, there are people scaling it, but like, l- let me try to scale it, you know? So I started Shoebaker in July um, during COVID. And wow. um, yeah, we started at zero. It was like zero followers and everything. And I already had an LLC. I've been like sitting on the same LLC since like 2011. Uh, and I just like funnel all of my, you know, projects through that. But like Shoebaker is a, like a DBA of the, uh, the Cool Life Living LLC. And, oh, nice. Yeah. So we started in July and it just blew up. I just implemented things that I knew um, and I was just being myself in front of the camera. And just really, I think what really captivated people was me, you know, just like simply being myself and being in front of the camera. But then also I just made interesting shoes, you know, that I made art pretty much. And that's the way I like to define it. I'm not necessarily a shoe customizer anymore. I'm more of a designer slash artist who just like, I just put out, you know, things that either either people hate or people love. So to be clear, when you're saying shoes, Nick, you're saying shoes is in sneakers. Yep. Yep. Uh, more so Air Force Ones, uh, Nike Blazers, um, Dunks and stuff like that. Uh, I more so stayed with the Nike niche. Um, I haven't moved on to another one because I'm trying to get Nike's attention. Um, it would be sweet to just like work on a project with them. So I'm just more so just like staying in my lane by doing that. You bring up a good point immediately. So first of all, for the audience, I want to make clear the way I found Nick, usually I would say was on the gram, but that's not the case. I found him on Clubhouse, which is a platform that I'm starting to utilize and I hope we'll continue to grow. We have a club on there, Classic Menswear Club, so go check it out. So, but I met you on the Sneakerheads Anonymous Club, which oh, I joined yeah. Yeah. I joined kind of on a whim because I want to make it clear. I don't consider myself a sneakerhead anymore because I'm grown. <laughs> but back in the day, <laughs> but back in the day, let's say high school, I definitely was. And particularly as a native New Yorker, particularly living in the Bronx with my late grandparents during the first generation of hip hop, Nike certainly was one of my brands. It wasn't the only brand, but Nike is a very significant urban brand, as you know, and I know. So I, you know, I saw you on there and you were talking about this one set of kicks with butterflies and one of the moderators, Cash and Carrie, was like, yo, do you have any more? And you said, no, I do a baker's dozen. That's it. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and he said, well, you blew it. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I was just like, man, what type of, like, like I, I, I was like almost offended. I was like, like, actually, I messaged the guy after that. I was like, I said, if anything, you should respect the fact that of, like, of integrity, you know, that I didn't just, like, sell you a pair of shoes just for the money. You know, and like and he said, he was just playing that he was actually just trying to plug me. But like and for a while, I was like, for a minute, I was offended. I was like, bro, like, no, I did the right thing. Like, I didn't, I'm not just about to cash, like, give you a pair of shoes 
when 13 people already bought their pair. But yeah, as I remember an, that day. Right. And as an individual who had no stakes in the game, I'm here to tell you, I thought he was playing as well. So okay. I just I just want to let you know that. I don't okay. think he was trying to I don't think he was trying to come at you. But I immediately and you know that's the beauty of Clubhouse and for people who aren't on it, you can get on it through an invitation and if you have an iPhone and iPod touch or an iPad, you should jump onto this network. The point is I immediately went onto your Insta and saw your stuff and it kind of clicked with me. I said, Oh my gosh, this guy's doing customization. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing a deeper dive and I hope if I'm lucky and also with your assistance, you're going to be kind of part one of maybe a part two uh, topic of discussion on this. So what led you to decide, because now I realize, and I didn't realize it before, your business is less than a year old. Yeah. You launched during COVID. What led you to decide to your point that this was something that you wanted to ramp up, that you wanted to scale? How did you realize there was a market for this? Uh, so it actually started um, like two years before I started Shoebaker, and uh, I was I was I, I wanted to get into the sneaker trade, you know, the uh, buy and resale, and so um, I found out about StockX, and so I didn't know mm-hmm. how it worked. All I knew I just saw numbers, and I didn't know, you know, I, I, there was a pair of uh, Air Max Susans dropping, and I really liked them. Um, the first mistake I made was that I bought them in my size, right? If you're trying to resale, don't buy the shoe in your size. But uh, <laughs> I, I was out to lunch with, with a friend and like, I was like, man, I'm about to do this. You know, and like the Susan was, it, it was dropping, I think in like the next day or two days. And like, it was like $600. And I was like, <gasps> oh yeah. Well, I mean, like at this time I do graphic design. So like, I was like, I had money like in my business account. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to buy it. I said, you know, if it's 600 now, like if people keep talking about it, it's going to be so much more, you know, not understanding how StockX works. So I buy it right there. And then the number jumps to 1300. And I'm like, man, I just doubled my money. Right. Like that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I just doubled my money. And like, I'm sitting there celebrating, you know, and then the shoe drops and the number drops. And like, and so what I realized, what I realized afterwards was that the the spike in the number was the next person selling the shoe. They just made it 1300. So I just bought a $600 shoe. The shoe wasn't worth $600. In fact, the resale the the resale value of the shoe uh, maybe like 500 now I think. Um but the resale value uh like when it dropped was like 300. So I technically lost like 3 to 400 cuz like I think Ugh. after taxes it was like 700. And so I was like, "Dang." Like, like I, I had to tell my wife because, like, when I thought that I made it come up, I texted her. I was like, hey, I just doubled my money. You know, I'm texting her and telling her I made this money. And so she's like, okay, you know, she's skeptical. And they come to find out, no, I lost $400 or I lost $700. So mm-hmm. uh, I did what any man would do that dropped $700 on a pair of shoes. I kept them, you know, and I like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm not about to resell these. Um so like, but I made up my mind. I was like, well, I see a lot of people doing customs. And like at this time, I'm doing a lot of like graphic art and illustrations. Um, and so I'm looking at people painting shoes and it's like some of them, I'm like, man, I could do way better than that. You know, so I f- figure out the people are using Angelus, watch a few videos, order the materials and I start and I make money. You know, I'm charging 150 plus the cost of shoe and people are buying it. I'm like, man, like this is nice, you know. 
Um, I set me up, I set up a little shop in like our spare bedroom, which is now my daughter's room. Um, and then from there, I moved to the garage and I'm painting. And uh, our Christmas rolls around or December rolls around and I'm getting um, um, advertisements for Glowforge. And like, I'm like, man, like that's sweet. And Glowforge is, they're not- Yeah, can you laser. explain what that is? So technically it's a laser engraving company. Like, like they sell laser engravers. Now that I've worked with them, they're not, they don't sell laser engravers. Like they're a marketing company that sells laser engravers because the way that they push their product, like you want to buy it. And, and it, it, like, and I'm not trying to bash Glowforge um, because obviously what they, what I got, got me to where I am. Um, but like, like, so I bought a Glowforge. It was another thing. So I bought a Glowforge, didn't tell my wife, told her when Glowforge got there, she's like, are you out of your mind? You know, this is like, I bought the basics. It was like maybe, I think it was 2,500 to three grand. And so I was like, yeah, I got it. I said, I'm going to put a shoe in it, you know, got the Glowforge, figured out I couldn't fit a shoe in it. So like, I got to figure out what to do with this thing. You know, I'm going to figure out how to incorporate, like, I want to incorporate laser engraving with a shoe. And so I start making shoe charms, which is pretty much a keychain. It's a keychain on a shoe. I just changed yes. the name. Right. And people loved it. I, what I was literally like hand drawing, like different Jordans and Air Force Ones and Fear of Gods and cutting them and putting a ball chain on them and selling them for like 10 bucks. Um, and people were buying them. And so this was still on my old page. Um, and so like, I figure out I have something there. Like, you know, people are buying this. And what really did it for me was, um, cause like fast forward, like I come up with the name Shoebaker uh, and I was like, man, that just sounds sweet. I have to do something with it. I start the IG page. Um, and I believe it was September. It, it was September. Um, this was after lockdown. Uh, but down here, I know up, up North is a little more strict down here. It's a little more loose. And so there was this thing called, um, the sneaker exit. And so like a friend of mine, he shoots it to me, said, Hey, this is in two days. You should do. It. I'm like, no, it isn't like, I don't have any shoes to sell. He's like, just sell the shoe charms. I'm, I'm thinking it's not going to work. But then I was like, I'm going to take my chance. I get a booth. Um, and I like for the next two days, I'm just like staying up late nights, cutting all of these charms, peeling them, like, uh, beating them and everything. And then we get there, everybody has tables, like everyone has a table full of shoes. And I'm like, right. man, like, like no one's going to buy my stuff. Like everybody, whoever, if somebody's coming here, they're coming for shoes. Um, and so we, but we just still set up, you know, and then, um, lo and behold, we killed it. I think I bought the booth for like 60 bucks. And like, we walked away with 800 selling, Whoa! Yeah, right. Selling acrylic pieces. Um, oh that, my God. Yeah. It was nice. <laughs> I was blown away. I was like, man, okay. Like we really have something. Um, what, what it made me realize is that like what I was doing, no one else was doing. Right. It was different. Um, like, and, and my dad, he actually, he was in town at the time. And like, after he helped me with the, uh, the booth and he said, I can't believe he said, I get what you just did. He said, I just can't believe it happened. Like you literally just took a keychain and called it a shoe charm and people. Right. Right. <laughs> That's marketing. That's yeah, marketing. marketing. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, I think at this time we, we, we weren't even at a thousand followers. I was trying to get to a thousand. I think we were at like maybe 600 and I was like, when we hit a thousand, want to do a giveaway. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so like it just let me know that I had something and like we just kept pushing it in um just marketing and i the next thing that i dropped what really put shoebaker on a map is that like i I really did something that no one was doing obviously the keychain thing 
anybody can do it. Anybody can do the next thing I'm about to say. Um, but this like really like this coined me as the guy who just does different stuff. And um, I was in my garage with the with the laser engravers and like I work best when like my wife takes the kids to like a friend's house and it's just me. Um, and I remember just sitting there, I was like, man, like it would be sweet if I made a grill and put it on the front of the shoe. You know, and like, so I learned at this point, I learned how to um, thermoform, which I'm not the first person to do it. Um, I I think that I'm probably the most known for it, though. So I saw someone else do it. And um, like I reached out like, hey, I have a laser engraver. How do you do this? They didn't respond. And so I was like, "Okay, well, I'll hit university YouTube and found out how you thermoform acrylic, (laughs) you know. So so stop right there for the audience and more importantly for myself. What is thermoforming? So thermoforming is the process of heating up the acrylic to a certain temperature so that you can form it to whatever shape you want. So not like Mm -hmm. clay, more like, um, what's a good example? Uh, Like, okay, say I have a flat piece of acrylic. I can turn that acrylic into a circle. Or what I do is I have a flat piece of acrylic shaped like a Nike check. I can now form that acrylic to the side of the shoe so mm. that it's not just flat, but it's actually flush to the shoe. Okay. Right. So it, it's, it's great. Um, not many people do it and people who do it don't necessarily put it on shoes. Um, and so, uh, I do that. And so, um, I don't think I'm selling, I wasn't even selling Nike checks at the time. Um, because here's, here's the issue is that like, you have to use a screw to put it in your shoe. You don't have to. I could have sold it. I could have like uh, I could have like used like thread or um, fishing wire to sew it to the shoe. Um, but I, I was thinking, I was like, okay, the thing is, I want to mass produce this, right? So if I want to do that, I have to make it as easy as possible for the person receiving it. I have to make it so that they can install it within five minutes or less, right? So I bought five thousand screws and four hundred mini screwdrivers. Like I've I made up my mind that I was, I was like, I was like, I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to take all of my money out of this business account and I'm just going to buy everything I need. So I bought poly millers. I bought the stickers with the branding, um, like just everything. The, the uh, screwdrivers had my branding on it. This is like, keep in mind, like I have less than a thousand followers. Right. And so like I made up my mind, I'm going to convince people that this is the new wave. And so I did. And so I took a, so the idea was that putting a fang on a shoe, um, we were approaching Halloween. And so I made like fangs, like uh, vampire fangs that like, that faced up. Um, oh. It went around the toe box. So like the teeth curled around the toe box. Um, and so the thing is like, I was like, okay, so you, you screw it into the rubber. Um, and so the beautiful thing about screwing it into the rubber is that the rubber closes back up when you take it out. It's like a very tiny hole. And so I was like, so I'm going to start here. And so like, I'm already, I'm posted, I already posted stuff that I created as far as shoes on the, um, on my page and I'm getting a little bit of traction. I'm making like donut shoes and stuff. Cause I'm the shoe baker. Um, but then I start posting about this and if you go to my page, you can see the progression. Oh, I've like, gone, I've gone through here. your, I've gone through your page. That's why yeah. I have notes all over my paper, <laughs> but, yeah, like, but you need to bring it to life. Yeah. Like you, you can see the progression. And so I put the fangs up and it gets this attention. And people are like, oh, man, this is crazy. Like, what is it? What is it? Oh, and then you get people saying, well, I don't like the screws. You, could, you need to figure out a way how to do it without the screws. And, like, I'm getting irritated because it's like, 
okay, you figure out how to do it out the screw, you know, like, but I'm, I bought like a bunch of um, different forms of adhesive, the 3M tape. I tried magnets. I thought about doing clips, I was, but everything that I did, the only thing that truly worked was using a screw hmm. because I could put it on the leather. I could put it on the, uh, the rubber, push in a little bit and screw it in. I've, I've made videos where literally the video is five minutes and it shows me screwing the fang into the shoe. Right. And it's like, that's the easiest solution because when I use a magnet, well, what happens when like you bump something and it falls off? Now you lost your fang. Now, if right. I use 3M tape, like that's not strong enough. Like the, the, uh, the rubber is too porous. So it's like, none of that was working, but the screw, it literally grips the rubber. So it works. So I was like, okay, well, this is what I'm doing. So the people who say they don't like it, that's not my target audience. My target audience are the people who are saying, like, who are putting fire emojis all on it. And so I reach out to maybe like three or four of them. And like, and, and like, I try to reach out to people like bigger people who had like, you know, the 10 K and the, of course. Yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. But, I tried to do the same thing. <laughs> they, they don't, they won't respond. You know, it's just like, uh, like, and, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of the same way now. Um, but like, I, I, resp- I try to respond to everyone, but then you just get people who are just like trying to like just piggyback. Um, but like, uh, they wouldn't respond. So I, I would like partner with people who are just a little bit above me. Right. And right. so I would say, Hey, I'm going to send you these things. Can you like, just try them out. And so I'll send it to them. They'll install them, man. These are sick. Like people love them. And so I'll send them another set. Hey, this time, can you just record a video? It doesn't, it doesn't need to be edited. I just need like a basic video of you installing the fangs in a shoe and just tell me how easy it is in a video. And they do it and they post it and I share it. And so I'm building up this, like, pretty much I'm building credibility. Sure. I, I, I would do polls. Um, actually, so here's, here's the marketing back then, right? Because, like, you, sometimes you'll post a question or a poll and nobody will respond. Like, now I'll post a poll and get, like, a thousand people, you know, uh, entering a poll and getting that data. Um, but like, I'd love to be you. <laughs> but back then, I, I would do it and, like, get, like, like nobody ever wants to be the first one, you know, right. especially when you only have like, I think at this time I might've had a thousand. Um, I have to go back and look at the gram. The gram is the timeline, but uh, yeah. So like nobody ever wants to be the first one. So I would go to my personal page and ask the questions that I know people are asking, but they, they're not posting to, to like the questionnaire in the story. And then I'll go back to the shoemaker page and I would answer that. Oh, like, hey, well, am I going to fill the screws? Go back to the shoemaker page. Nope. I literally took an old pair of Air Force Ones and cut the shoe in half and showed them this is where the screw goes in. There's no way you'll fill it. You, right? Well, so you like, know what? You you just hit it. I I immediately have thought about it, whether it's the screws there or the screws on the side for the check. Mm-hmm. The customer oh, cannot feel anything. They can't feel anything. No. So and it's, it's about the placement, right? So if you put it along the side of the toe, you're going to fill it. Um, but like a way to avoid that is that you just use small washers to just pretty much just like you just want to grip the leather. But I, I never put it up there. I always put it on either the check or like the back panel or the heel because um, I literally dissected a, um, a Air Force One just to see the anatomy. And see, like, um, okay, wow. like there's, there's like board here, there's cloth here, there's foam here. This is the best place to put it, right? And so, like, I'm, I'm but I'm showing that, and I think that that's important. Like, I'm literally showing people, like, hey, I'm willing to cut. Like, I literally took a saw, cut the Air Force One in half, and like showed <laughs> it to them. 
And we'll, like nice. with, with the screws in it, like, where's the screw? And then I would take the screw out and say, hey, you see that tiny, tiny, tiny dot there? That's where the screw was. It doesn't ruin your shoe. So now I start generating sales. A lot of my sales are like coming from like New York. Um, of course. And, <laughs> actually, yeah, I forgot yeah, you're in New York. <laughs> a lot of my sales are coming from New York. Um, and actually, a lot of my sales still do I'll come from either New York or UK. Um, and like, actually, it's all over now. But uh, yeah, so like, I like that, that was the beginning stage. And I think like the whole term fake it until you make it. Like, that's what I did. Right. Like I, I, the product is real. But like, I think that like if you wait for people to ask the questions publicly, they won't. So I became the, like I pretty much switched between the mindset of the cl- the customer and me. And I was having a dialogue with myself, but they didn't know it was me. But they were oh, like, it nice. was clearly the question that, that like that they were asking. Right. So then people ordered. And so like now it's funny because like actually I put it in the story yesterday. I was like, hey, should I bring the fangs back? And like I think um it was like over a thousand people hit uh, answered the poll, and like eighty four percent of the people were like yes. And so our response is like, I hear you. So I might be actually bringing them back. Cool. So like, now, yeah. go ahead. When you when you bring those back, I mean, if if you do, mm-hmm. will you just bring them back permanently, or you make it kind of like seasonality with the Halloween motif? How? What's your plan if you do revitalize them? Uh, so I, I want to bring them back permanently. Um, I'm just looking for a better solution because the thing about the acrylic and honestly, I, I like like so we put in the bio that, hey, this is not indestructible. It's acrylic. Be careful. It can crack, especially being on the, the toe box issue. So like some people, their their fangs cracked. And so we put in the bio, hey, we'll send you another set if it cracks. But after the second time, you know, you just have to buy another one, which I believe is fair. Um, the only reason I stopped is because I was working with the Glowforges, which are super slow. And uh, the thing is, they're hobbyist machines, you know. And so, like, it, it, it's great for where I was at. But then we hit, once I moved into the warehouse, because, like, we, I started in the garage. Then I moved to an office space. And within a month, we outgrew the office space and we're in that warehouse. And now we outgrew the warehouse. And so now we're look, looking for a retail spot. Um, Holy cow. And so, like, I, uh, I bought a, um, a commercial engraver. And that thing flies. I haven't named her yet, but I need to name her. But, um, <laughs> you should. <laughs> but it, like it flies. And so like now that I'm able to like uh, like mass produce these things, then it'll be easier because the struggle was that like it was two things. I was preforming the uh, the things before. Like people would put in their shoe size, and then I would form it to that shoe. So I had like oh. every size Air Force One. And I was like, man, like this is taking up too much of my time. It's not worth. Yeah, there's no standard. There's no ability to have one standard fang size to cover all AF1 sizes. It, no, no, no. I mean, unless they heat it up. So, so now, okay. So that was the problem, right? And so, like, so entrepreneurship, it, it's it's a uh, it's an art and a and a science, right? And, and, and like, honestly, entrepreneurship in itself is creativity. And so sure. that was my problem. So, like, I was like, so people ask, like, hey, can you do the night check? And so I'm like, well, yeah, but like, I don't want a thermal, I don't want to preform a, uh, a check. So I said, hey, here's the deal. If I drop this check, I'm going to teach you how to thermal form. And it's two reasons why I did that. One, to teach the people so I don't have to, I don't have to do it. And two, it was almost like this clap back to the guy who never responded to me. Because it was like, I made up my mind. It's like, man, I'm not going to be the gatekeeper to this. Like this guy was being a gatekeeper. And I was like, man, like, all you had to do is just tell me, like, like, you know, and so I was like, well, I'm going to, since you didn't tell me, I'm going to teach everybody how to do it. And now it's no longer a secret. Right. And so, and so I did that because I didn't want to create 
in turn, he created a competitor. And so we like, we tripled, like we, we like far outgrew this guy. Um, oh. yeah, like he wasn't happy about it. Like he hit us up in the DMs and everything. He was pretty sour. And it was like, okay, well, that's on you, you know, being a poor sport. Um, but like, so think he, he, he created a competitor that he couldn't compete with. So learning from his lesson, I'm not going to create competitors. I'm going to con- uh, create um, uh, collaborators who are nice. in turn customers, right? I'm going to teach you how to thermoform. And so when I, like, I kept the the, um, the things around, but then I brought out the swoosh. And the point of me bringing out the swoosh was to see, hey, are people capable of doing, doing this? Are they willing to, you know, put their acrylic into an oven or use their heat gun? And they are. We get orders every day for, you know, um, the swoosh. And so like, now that that's the case, if I do bring back the things, they're not going to be preformed. I'm just going to show them how to form it and how to put it on the shoe. And that's going to save me time. And it'll actually make the $35 worth it. Cause now I'm just like throwing it in the machine and then I'll have like one of my interns peel the, um, peel the paper off. Cause it's like, it keeps it from singeing. The fashion geeks are hosted and powered by blueberry. That's blueberry B L U B R R Y. Thinking of launching a podcast. Want your episodes to be deployed smoothly? Go to Blueberry.com, type in the word fashion, and get a deal on us. Just put in the word fashion. Blueberry, always host fly. So to be clear, when you first when you first launched the acrylic checks, you were doing them yourself, meaning for the customer. But now you want to empower the customer to do it themselves. Is that correct? So not, so the acrylic checks, I never pre-did it for the customer. So the acrylic checks was the test to see if they were able. Oh, okay. Okay. It it was, I pre-formed the things. Uh, But yeah, when I dropped the checks, it was like, if they can do this, then I can like literally just cut and send out the material. Oh, so it was always, it was all, okay. All right. So it was always a DIY for the customer. Okay. All right. I was confused. Um, yeah. And so, so, but now there was a challenge when it came to the checks, because like, it's one thing to put a screw into the rubber. It's another thing to put it into the leather. Sure. I can right. imagine. So I had to, the same way that I did the, um, the things as far as like the dialogue and this way, like I was a little bit more further along. So people were actually submitting their questions. Um, but like, you know, like I was just answering those questions. Like, do you feel it? No, you won't feel it if you put it here, here, and here, right? And then I'll show them like you like how hard easy it is to install it. Do a question: Do I have to pre-drill a hole? No, the screw does the work for you, right? How long does it take to install? Five minutes. Let me actually go live or make this video with a timer to show you that it takes five minutes and there is no pre-drill hole. So it's just like just pretty much answering the questions that the, the customers have. And then they love the product. And so then we start coming out with different designs, the Kraken, the Snake, uh, the Thunderbolt, you know, the Star. Like, it's just all these different ones. And so now I'm at a point where, um, like, we are, like, I'm, I'm hiring individuals to actually carry out this work, like the production side of it, so I can keep creating. Hmm. I saw, I, I looked on your Insta and I looked on the site. So you have them, to your point, you have them in different colors, Mm-hmm. You have you have city skylines, yeah. including including the best city in the world, New York, of course. And then <laughs> I saw you did it for the A uh, as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many so many different directions I can go here. Here's here's one of them. Would you say 
that all the things that you're doing currently, and I know you have some other, you know, future plans. How much of this do you feel you're inspired by Dapper Dan? Because I totally feel that what you and people are doing in this space with this customization, you're Dapper Dan's children Who's in my Dan? mind. Bro, are you serious? I have no okay. idea. Okay, that's, that's a homework assignment for you. I want you to Google that. So, but I will also give you a quick answer. So back in the day, if you remember in the golden age of hip hop, Eric B and Rock oh, M. Eric, yeah. Now you got it? That's yeah. Dapper okay. Dan. Yeah. Okay. How much yeah. of that, how much of that would you say, though you didn't know who his name was, and we're not going to mm. call you out at the meeting. Yeah, just edit but, that uh, <laughs> I know we're gonna edit it out, bro. But I ain't trying to get uh, trying to get canceled by the culture, man. <laughs> I immediately, when I started deep diving, I said to myself, "This is a direct influence from what he did." Mm -hmm. But you're doing it for shoes. W would you agree? As I, you know, I'm hipping no. you quickly, but yeah, no, actually, I would agree. Um, I wouldn't say that I was directly inspired by him. <clears throat> Uh, but like, I definitely, I, I can, um, I, I can align with his, like his spirit. Right. Cause like, it looks like, like for me, like actually my friend, he's actually in here right now. He's like doing some video editing. Uh, but like every time like we'll go out to eat or something like that, and he'll like, I'll, I'll order and like, he'll laugh. He say, man, like your entire life is customized. I'm like, bro, like, no, it's not as the waiter, <laughs> like waiting for me to like finish my order, you know? And like, you know, it never really hit me like that. And it's just like, like, but that's just how I like, I don't. I don't I want to stand out, you know, like, like, I don't want to just like, um, I don't, I don't want to wear everything that somebody else is wearing. Like, I, like, I want to create something that like, like when I walk off the door, this is me, you know? And so like, I'm, I'm looking at, uh, Dapper Dan's fits and like, and that's him, like, like everything about, Oh, that thing is nice, bro. Got the, um, Come on, man. Cheetah print, like handkerchief. Um, but yeah, so like, like, but it's like just stuff, like, even cheetah print, like actually like my, my, uh, I have like a cheetah print jacket. And so like people look at me like, oh man, like, isn't that a, a woman's jacket? It's like, I don't care. Like this is like, for one, it's not a woman's jacket, but who said that only, only women can wear cheetah print, but no, I can, right. I can align with that. You know, just like, um, I want to make something that like when people wear it, it speaks to who they are, not the hype. And, and that's what like, I'm anti-hype. Like, I, like, I really don't, I, I don't like it. And I think that that's what the shoe industry has become. It wasn't like that. Like, remember what the shoe game used to look like? Like, it, it, it wasn't hype. Like, it, it, it was the culture. It was creativity. And, like, now it's like people are, like, just, like, buying a shoe just because so-and-so made it or so-and-so said that it's cool or so-and-so wore it. It's like, no, like, buy it because you love it. All right? And so, and, and that was a trap I was starting to fall into when I wanted to go into um, resale. And so I'm glad that I got out of that. Well, you hit on something that you can speak about a heck of a lot more intelligently than I. I would also say that StockX and GOAT probably have a lot to do with this shift in the culture. Would, oh, you, yeah. would you agree? They do. Yeah. yeah they, they've made it more accessible. They, um, they've influenced people who weren't resellers to become resellers. Right. And so like now for people who want to buy the shoe and wear it, um, they're missing out because there's somebody who's using a bot to buy it so that they can sell it on that platform. And I think that Nike's trying to get away from that, uh, that, you know, like you kind of see it in the way that they're moving. Um, but like, yeah, like that, that they definitely they influence that heavily.
Well, when you say that to me, then we briefly have to talk about West Coast streetwear when you talk about resellers. Mm-hmm. So that whole that whole kerfuffle with uh, the kid and his mom working for Nike, I'm sure you oh, know yeah. the story far yeah. better. So I think they clearly they they took a blind eye. They looked they looked the other way. So for for someone like myself, right? who, again, I'm suited and booted, dog. That's who I am. (laughs) I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine the number of sneakers I have now. And I'm like, how did this happen? Because I may wear a sneaker one day a week, if I'm lucky. But the thing I realized as I've accumulated, I think I have 15 pairs of sneakers, which for me means I'm a sneakerhead in my mind. I know I am not. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm just like for a guy who wears shoes and boots all the time. I'm like, how did this happen? Mm. What the heck? Like, you know, and I argue to myself, I've lived a life. You get a pair here, you get a pair there. Yeah. Yeah. I always get my pairs on sale. I could give a dawn about a Jordan number, but I also could give a dawn about a Jordan because I'm a Knicks fan. Take that, take that. <laughs> uh, I ain't never wore a pair of Jordans, never will. <laughs> so uh, no way. Impossible. But it's interesting how, like, you've made it clear. You said, hey, right now my product line is AF1s, Blazers, and Dunks. I've worn two of the three. Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're trying to see hopefully one day you'll get to, you know, you'll get to Oregon somehow, some way. What I'd like to kind of transition, we've talked about the accessorizing, but you also are doing custom shoes mm-hmm. yes so and you know so let's let's talk about that let's talk about that migration that transition uh as far as like making custom shoes yeah because like for example i looked i looked through your gram and your stuff is crazy i mean yeah. and i want to be clear and i want to, the reason <laughs> why i'm saying it's crazy is because let us talk about the killer kruger af1s the Friday the 13th AF1s, the Air Jasons, <laughs> like a nightmare on Elm Street. Like, yeah. it's like, I, I, I like yipes. So you have like different customizers. Like you have some, like uh, there's one guy named Color Me Fresh. Like he does a lot of um, characters, like anime characters. And he's, he's like flawless. Like his work is amazing. Mm. I, I can't do that. I can draw, but like I've, I've never trained myself to draw on the curvature, like on the shape of a shoe. Um, and honestly, I, I don't have the patience. Like I asked him one time, I said, Hey man, how much time do you put in your shoe? He says like, you know, like 20 hours, you know, 24 hours. I'm like, bro, like you, ha- you are the most patient man in the world. Like, I can't do that. You know, like I like to create and see my creation, like, you know, but then that doesn't take away from what he's doing. Um, but I'm a theme creator, right? So like, like I'll make a donut shoe. Um, I want to make a cosmic brownie shoe. Um, but then, like you said, like the Air Jason, all right? So it's a, a Freddy Krueger, not a Freddy Krueger, but it's a, um, a Jason shoe, the, uh, the Friday 13th. And, and that was inspired by the Warren Lotus drop. And so like that, that's part of what actually like, so the fangs, the fangs coined me as like the guy who's creating like, just weird, like, you know, I've never seen this before, but when I dropped the Friday the 13th, now here's where the marketing comes in, right? Actually the marketing came in, but here, here, here's the brilliance of the Friday the 13th. Uh, because a lot of people think that like, oh, like he's not like he doesn't have any more ideas. No, I have a ton of ideas. Um, I'm just too busy fulfilling 
Friday the 13th orders. Um, so what I did, have you, are you familiar with the sigmoid curve? No. Can you please explain? So the sigmoid curve, every, everything, everything has a life cycle. So just imagine just, you know, a hump, right? And so on the left side of that hump at the bottom is the birth. And then you also, you have the growth, right? And then like somewhere up along that growth, it starts to plateau. And that's when you reach the top of the hump, right? And then it declines and that's the death. Right. And so this is like this is the same thing with us humans. Right. There's a birth, a growth, a plateau, a decline, a death. All right. Now, in business, everything has this curve in business or in leadership or just culture in general. Everything has a birth, a growth, a plateau, a decline. Now, in order to keep things going, you want to catch it right when you think that it's about to plateau and then you instill a new curve. So when it came to the Friday the 13th, I dropped that. Um, actually, I dropped two shoes. Um Last October, I dropped two shoes. I dropped the Night Fang and I dropped the Friday the 13th. I personally thought the Night Fang was going to be the hit because I made them the same night. And this was one of those days my wife took our kids to our friend's house and it was just me in the garage. And I was like, okay, peace and quiet. I can do this. Um, <laughs> and so I knock out these two shoes. I make the Night Fang first. I'm like, this is beautiful. Like I, like I, put, the, I put the Fang on the front. Um, you know, I, I like, I, I don't like to use liquid rubber. I use a different substance. It like, it looks like blood. Like it, um, it, it, yeah, it your, your stuff looks like blood dog. It, it really it looks, does. It looks I don't like know what you're doing. Bleeding. Yes. It's it freaking like the shoe is blue. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so people, some people love it. Some people hate it. Um, but like, yeah, it looks <sighs> like blood. So like, so like I have the blood dripping off the fang. Um, I have like the, um, you know, the, uh, on the tongue, I have acrylic. I think I put. I put a, a half of a bat wing on the uh, the back heel of each shoe. And so it looks like one bat when you put it together. And then I didn't mm. put a swoosh on. I put a swoosh on the inside. It was like a dripping red swoosh. But on the outside, I took a drill and I drilled a hole through it, two holes. And then I put some eyelets in it. And then I made some blood dripping out of it because I wanted the shoe to look like it got bit by a vampire. Halloween <laughs> was coming up. And, and and I loved it. I was like, this is beautiful. I think I wore my pair once. I shouldn't have. I should have I shouldn't have worn it. Um, it was beautiful. And so I was like, well, now, you know, Warren Lotus is getting sued at this time and his swoosh looks sweet. I can I can draw a swoosh similar to that and I'm gonna make it out of acrylic. And I'm gonna put it on a black Air Force One and then I'm gonna add the Jason mask on the back. And like I'm thinking like this is it's cool, right? And so I put it out and that thing blows up, right? Like I'm getting orders. Right. And so I'm getting orders. I'm getting featured on these other pages. Um, and so at this point, like I'm like going viral and stuff like that. And so now remember the sigmoid curve. So let's fast forward. Like, actually, I thought that after Halloween, um, my sales were going to go down. <clears throat> right. No, sure. Like, I would have thought that, too. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, no. Uh, November rolls around. My sales go up. December rolls around. My sales go up. Like people keep ordering this shoe. And so I'm mm. like, okay, it must be because of the ho holidays. So like now at this point, like we just, we moved into the office space um, and it's January, it, December, January. I can't remember, but like, I remember I'm a youth pastor who puts blood on shoes, right? Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but I'm a youth pastor and like, um, like I remember we were in a, a meeting and I, 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 I'm looking at this thing just like, just grow. And I'm like, Hey, I was like, you know, like, I love what I do. I was like, so how about, I was like, how about like, technically you fire me, but I'll just stay on as your volunteer. 
youth pastors. So really nothing changes other than the fact that you're cutting me a paycheck. Right. Mm. And so that allows me to go full time, like in business. Um, and so um, we we move into the warehouse. And so he, the issue is like, I'm like, OK, we have all this momentum. This shoe is taken off. But what if this is just a holiday thing? This is the fear in the back of my mind. What if it's sure. just a holiday thing? Um, and we hit January and sales go up. And so like during this time, the reason I was able to like keep selling this shoe was that just around the time that like I felt like that the design was plateauing, I would drop an Air Force One high, same design. It's just now it's just a different, it's, it's just a, a, it's a bigger, like a different uh, sizing of the shoe. Right. And so when the Jordan high, when the, uh, the high felt like it was plateauing, right, I'll say like after like three, four weeks, then I dropped an inverted Jason. So now it's on a white Air Force One and everything is like inverted in color. So like what was white on the Jason, like the swoosh is now black and people people loved it. They bought it. And so the last thing I did was that I got the um, the Jordan one and that's when I dropped the Air Jason. And so, like that, just kept that thing going, like all the way. So, like I'm fulfilling an order. I have two of the, uh, Air, the I have an Air Jason and a Friday the Thirteenth, like that I'm working on um, now in the shop that I, I need to get out. Um, but like, it, it's just that I think that's a part of marketing that people. I think as a creator, that like sometimes we just overcreate because I have tons of ideas, but why would I jump to another idea when this one is already scaling? No, I guess so. I mean, you know, you know, you have others in the chamber, but you want to max this and and continue the uh, the vertical portion of the hump. Mm-hmm. So, how much are those kicks retailing for, Mister Reynolds? So, I, so in order for it to be legal, I have to buy the shoe at retail. So, I, like, I'll order from Nike for like ninety, so a hundred bucks after like shipping and tax. And then, like now, I had to. My, my prices are. I think I've increased them to either five hundred or five fifty. So they started Whoa. out for two fifty. Yeah. So like I did that because like it was just too many orders to handle, and so um I increased the prices, and so pretty much less people are buying, but you know, I'm cool with like I'm making the same amount of money, right? And it's yeah, because you're margin. Exactly. And and this is, I mean, honestly, I was going to make this announcement. I'm trying to figure out when exactly to do it, but I might actually stop making shoes um, just for a while. Uh, just because like uh, I'm working on something else. I'm actually working on making custom shoe boxes. I haven't dropped my full design yet. I'm actually working on a, uh, a private um, contracted uh, box. And like once this or once this order is done, then I'm actually going, you're going to start seeing more designs. Like I believe I have a Dragon Ball Z box I need to make uh, for Color Me Fresh, and then another guy wants a Captain America box. And the boxes now are going for three fifty, uh, but then that too may increase in price. Like once I get the ball rolling. Yeah, uh, I saw that, and maybe we'll have time to talk about that. You said something though just a minute ago that I need a clarification. You mm-hmm. said to make it legal you have to order the sneaker from Nike. Can you please explain that? Can you elaborate? Yeah, so the um, the, the West Coast street wear situation, right? Um, yes. The reason that that was so, so messed up and the reason his mom resigned so fast was because he was buying shoes at a discounted rate. Right, he was using not just the family, but other employee discounts. Mm, exactly. Other employees, so their discount codes. And, exactly, and so like, like that's illegal. Because like Nike's not making anything off of that, 
you know? And so like, so you're buying this discounted shoe and then selling it for like, <laughs> uh, like 10 times worth the actual cost. And Gangster. so like, that's why it was so illegal. Exactly. Yeah. But he, like, he tried himself. Um, so for it to be legal, because like, here's the thing, if I buy an Air Force One right now and go to the store, buy Air Force One, I can pour gasoline on that shoe and burn it if I wanted to. I can roll over it with my car 1,500 times if I wanted to. Nike can't do a thing. They have their money. I bought this shoe. This is my property. Right. Right. So when I buy shoes at retail, I'm selling artwork and as well as this shoe that I bought Uh... that I own. So I'm transferring ownership of this shoe, but I'm also adding artwork to it and I'm giving it to this person in exchange for money. And that's illegal. So that's the reason why all these brands are not coming after any of you guys, because you're making the purchase mm-hmm. new and then doing the thing and selling it as artwork. Exactly. Here's my here's my immediate follow up, because I've been scratching my head about this as I've been you know doing research. So what if I gave you a pair of AF1s? Mm-hmm. Is that cool? If I said to you, hey, mm-hmm. hey, Nick, I've got a pair of AF1s. I want you to do your thing with them. Is that cool? Yeah, because it's your shoe. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, now, now at that point, like, I'm not selling you a shoe. Like, you're buying a service. Understood. Mm-hmm. Immediate follow-up from that. Why is it, and I believe you're in this camp, and if you're not, you're going to make it clear. Why is it so important that, whether you buying it or me giving it to you, that the sneaker has to be brand spanking new. Why is that so important in your uh, community? It, uh, it's not. Imp- I think <laughs> okay, because people yeah. are making, I'm, listen, I'm looking at grams and they're like, it has to be new. And I'm like, but my stuff is barely worn. <laughs> yeah, so like, like, okay. So for me, like, I don't let people send me in shoes unless they like, unless it's like, like somebody, the guy who sent the ear, Jason, uh, it's hard to find them on the site. So he bought it off StockX and had it sent to me. Um, but like, it, it's just like, nobody wants to paint on a, like, you know, like you don't know what that person stepped in. The sole could be all super dirty. And, you know, I engrave used shoes. If people send me their used shoes, I'll engrave it. Um, but like, it's like it depends on the wear and tear, right? Okay. So if you, yeah, okay. if you send the shoe in and it's like like you wore it once, right? That's not a yeah. Big deal. I'm kind of that dude. Like what I want to do is because I told you I want to do another interview, another set of interviews, so to speak, with people who are more on the artistic side, and you know who I mean. So. Mm-hmm. You know, but some of them, they're so clear, new. And I'm like, wait, what if I take a photo? Like, this is, everything's fine. I wore them, like, twice. I haven't. Yeah. It's better I don't just to be, a shoe. Because it's a blank canvas. I don't want to be punished. I'm not buying another darn shoe. Not doing that. <laughs> not doing that. But you mentioned yeah. something about, you mentioned something about engraving, which I think from a bespoke, which, again, I feel is such a misused, words in, a misused word in the classic menswear space. You're a shoe baker. You do mm-hmm. a baker's dozen of a line, which means 13, but each one is engraved and numbered. Yeah. Yeah. Each one is So that really, right, which is really highlighting the exclusivity of your product. Yes, exactly. Um, and, and I didn't always do that. Actually, I just started doing that um, recently. And that, that was after, like, that was after I lost my page. And so, like, when, when I lost my page, um, it hurt. It hurt bad. So uh, what happened was um, 
we like there's it's people who just don't I, I think that the guy who quote unquote is the competitor i'm pretty sure he sent some people over to troll us um and we called them out about it then it stopped but then it came back uh and it's like they got our, our page shut down they kept marking our stuff as fraudulent and spam and so oh. ig shut us down and investigated for a month to find out that like hey there's nothing about this page that's that you know, because like uh, we were messaging, like emailing them every day. You never talk to anybody from IG. I know. We sent them emails every single day. Um, we sent them our receipts. Like, and so I sent them all of my receipts from Nike, like showing like, hey, like I bought all of these at retail. These are real. Like these aren't coming from overseas. This isn't Alibaba. This is coming straight from Nike. These are my receipts. Um, and I just sent them all of this stuff. And then they finally, you know, decided it's real. Um, and so... Um, like, but while my page was down, you know, I did some soul searching. I was like, you know what? Because I, I was like very overloaded. I mean, I'm back to being overloaded. Uh, but I was very like, just like, I would have like 15 orders in a queue like every week. Um, on top of the, uh, like the custom charms and the, um, the, the Nike, the, uh, the swoop. The checks. Uh, mm -hmm. The checks. Yeah, say checks for legal purposes. The checks. Um, and so, like, I was just overloaded. And then, like, I lost my page. And, like, my num my sales went from, like, all that to, like, crickets. You know, oh, like, of course. No. Oh. Yeah. So, it hurt. Because it was, like, that was, like, by the end of the month, by, like, week three, like, you know, we started getting our numbers back. Uh, but, like, for the first two weeks, we it was just, like, zero to no sales. I had to make another page. Um, and I will go on and say, hey, this isn't spam. But people still thought it was spam. But then we grew the page to, um, about like, to, I think, 2K or something like that. Yeah, 1800. yeah, around 1,800, yeah. 1,800. Yeah. And then, like, one day my wife called me. She was like, hey, who's the best wife in the world? I was like, well, it's you. You know? And she was like, the page is back. And so I'm like excited. I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Cause like at this point, I, I reached a point where like I was like, I didn't care anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna do the same thing to this page that I did to that page. I'm still this, I'm still a baker. I'm still putting out baked goods. You know, so like like the people will find me. A lot of people they thought that I blocked them. That was a thing. Like they would go looking oh, for me and they wow. thought I blocked them. Yeah. And so we got the page back. And so um but during that time I realized, you know what, I want to focus on making like uh premium custom like themed shoe boxes and they look beautiful like the ones you see now like i haven't even posted the pictures of the actual premium shoe box the ones i posted were like those are like tests that like I, I sold but like the uh the ones that i'm making are like double plated uh double engraved facing each other story told throughout the entire it's beautiful lights at the top um so i'm going to be dropping those soon so i decided i want to do that but i was like well i also don't want to keep making the same shoe so i'm only going to make 13 Right. right. And so I like and, that's, that. and that's where I'm at. And so um uh like some of the shoes like the the uh, Jason, uh not well the the Freddy, uh the Freddy we dropped while uh, we lost the page. Um we still got a few more spots for that. And then the um the Friday the thirteenth, uh I changed the design a little bit to restart that and I, I changed everything that was white on the shoe I made glow in the dark. And so mm -hmm. like no those are the ones that I'm numbering now. So like when I make those like one through thirteen, like you walk, and you walk in a dark room, um, the back heel tab and the swoosh are all going to glow in the dark. Uh, it looks pretty sweet, and so very cool. Yeah, but yeah, the Baker's dozen is is a must. It keeps me from burning out. Understood, and we're going to have to talk about the boxes in another conversation. Mm -hmm. I like to ask this of all my guests, Mister Reynolds. What does the phrase "always be fly" mean to you? 
Hmm. Oh, what does it mean to me? Okay. I, yeah. What does it mean? What does it mean to me? Honestly, um, it's Dapper Dan, right? Like, like it, it's like what's <laughs> cool to you. It, it's cool life living, you know, like um, uniqueness without exemption, being your own cool without being excluded. Right. I think that like um, just being fly has become like you need to wear this in order to be cool. Uh, but you're starting to see a trend of people just literally just like fashioning themselves. And it may look silly to others, but like at the same time, I think it's dope because it's like I wouldn't wear it, but it looks good on you. You know, so it's like when you walk out the door in the morning, as long as you're comfortable in your own skin and comfortable in the clothes that you're wearing, then you fly. You know, and so like, like I, I love that. Like the people who try so hard and they have all the latest hype stuff. Like I just turn my head to it because it's like you pay all that money for my approval. You know, like for what? It doesn't make sense. So yeah. Well said, brother. <laughs>